At the 8 o'clock Mass, when I started the homily, I said, Thanks be to God, this is the 10th Sunday in a row that we've been outside for Mass, and we still managed to do really well weather-wise. Um, please keep up the prayers that that remains. Um, we are starting to experience some hurricane-force winds up here. The deacon's hair is still okay, so we thank God for that. But uh, we do our best, right? And I would just say, please keep in your prayers also the 1230 mask, because apparently the uh, the radar is looking worse and worse. But you know what? God has taken care of us so far. He's not going to give up on us now. Like I said, I mean, 10 weeks, it's incredible we've been outside for this long. And even to think back to the beginning of this crazy time, uh, when you think about it, the last time we had mass inside for a Sunday mass it was, well, Saturday, it was the Vigil Mass on March 14th. And in some ways, that feels like a lifetime ago. And in some ways, it's like time has just sort of flown by. I mean, where did the last 10 weeks of Mass outside go? It's, it's incredible. And I remember thinking back on, you know, how all this sort of began. And when it really struck me, I mean, like we were hearing about the coronavirus and, you know, like there were kind of a lot was happening overseas and in different places. But the, the thing that really made me think, gosh, I think this is actually serious, is when I found out that the NBA had canceled the rest of the season and then came the Masters and then came uh, March Madness, right? It's like, oh, my goodness, like if sports is canceling, what is happening? And it's just amazing how priorities sort of change so quickly, right? I mean, you, when you think about March Madness this year, the Naismith Trophy was not handed out. All of a sudden, this thing that we all stop and pay attention to all through March didn't really matter. And what took its place that mattered so much was toilet paper. I mean, it's incredible when you think about that, that something that everybody paid attention to all the time, we literally replaced with something that we flushed down the toilet. I mean, it's incredible how priorities can shift so quickly and how different the whole world becomes in just the blink of an eye. And I know I'm being kind of flippant, but it's true, isn't it? I mean, how different everything is, and it didn't really take that very long. But at the same time, you know, when we look at our day-to-day -day lives and what ultimately lasts, what really endures, what can't be blown away by the wind, right, is Jesus Christ himself. I'll tell you, for the last couple of days, I've been wrestling and trying to figure out what am I going to say with the homily this week? I mean, with all of the readings kind of coming together, because I'll tell you, it's, it's not easy to preach on those opening lines of the gospel. You know, I can't uh, sympathize enough with, you know, the folks that meet you at the restaurant when the restaurant is packed and they have to tell you, I'm sorry, it's going to be a 30-minute wait before you get your table. It's like, oh. 30 minutes, what are you talking about? I mean, nobody wants to deliver that kind of news, right? And so, I know it's, it's, it's not a very good analogy, but when you compare that to what our Lord is asking of us, right? Whenever we hear the challenge of what's going on in the gospel, what's required of us, I mean, you can't help but kind of bristle a little bit when you hear, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. I'm really grateful that he doesn't say whoever loves niece and nephew more than me is not worthy of me. I mean, it's tough stuff, right? I mean, it's a hard thing to hear. But the key to all of this, I think, is that word me. When you think about this, Jesus Christ wants us 
to be in relationship with him. He wants us to love him. He wants us to be absolutely with him totally, right? He wants us to all the time be devoting our whole life to him. Now, it sounds really harsh when we hear it this way, but when you think about it, the fact of the matter is God has become one of us. He's made this possible, and he doesn't just say, Whoever doesn't appreciate being a Christian more than loving their mother and father is not worthy to be. No. And it's not like whoever doesn't, you know, consider the moral obligations more important than their mom and dad is not worthy. No. Whoever loves father and mother more than me, he wants a relationship with us. How incredible that is. And I will say, I think a lot of times our Protestant brothers and sisters kind of bring this out better than we do a lot of times. And that do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what he wants with us. And ultimately, it's that that's going to withstand everything, whether it's a pandemic or riots or who the heck knows what's coming next. What ultimately lasts is the love of Jesus Christ. And do we have to give some sacrifices for that? Yes. But in all reality, what in our lives do we not have to sacrifice for that's actually worth having, right? I mean, yes, it's disappointing that March Madness didn't happen. And why do we like it so much? Because you see 68 teams from across the United States giving their whole, giving their all to try for that. And that's just a stupid trophy. And it went away and we're all still here, right? What we're talking about here is life everlasting is something so much better that cannot be wiped away. Okay, are some of the circumstances of how we approach him a little bit different from time to time? As I stand here having my hair blown all over the place? Yes, it does. It changes, right? But he doesn't leave us alone. He still uses the word me, which is incredible when you think about it, that he wants a relationship with us and wants it with us so badly that he wants us to Give our all for it. And of course, he's not saying, don't love your mom or dad. I mean, the fourth commandment still applies. But you know what comes first? The first commandment. I am the Lord your God, and you shall have no other gods besides me. And the awesome thing about this is that God himself became one of us and says, me, that you love me. He wants that love from you. He wants you to live in that love completely. And like I said about the restaurant, right? I mean, sometimes when you go to that restaurant, it's like 30 minutes. My goodness, let's just go to McDonald's, okay? But if it's really good, you're willing to wait for 30 minutes. You're willing to wait for an hour, right? And once again, I know it's a stupid analogy, but... When we look at our life as Christians, sometimes we get so focused on the cross that we forget about the resurrection. We forget about the glory to come. We forget that God loves us so much that he wants you to be in relationship with him. He says me. And when you look at what St. Paul is saying in his letter to the Romans, that folks, yes, we were baptized into his death. We've also been baptized into his resurrection. It's the greatest news we can have. It is the glory that should be at the heart of everything. And we begin to get glimpses of that from day to day in our life, if we have eyes to see and ears to hear. But we've got to focus on him. We've got to take the time to have the relationship with him. Is it tough? You bet. I'll be honest with you. I'm exhausted right now. I don't really want to be standing here. I would really rather be in bed 
I'm tired. It's been a busy several weeks. But thanks be to God, it's been a really good several weeks. We've brought, I think, like, let's see, we confirmed 60 kids. We brought, I think, another 35 into the church. We've had about 60, or yeah, about 60 First Communions. In fact, yesterday, we had four more. One of them was my niece. She's wearing her dress, and she's here right now, and she's beautiful, and it's great. And the thing is, was it kind of tough? Yeah. Am I tired now? You bet. But it's glimpses of the resurrection. God continues to act in the midst of all of this. It's glorious. It's worth it. It's so good. And he continues to hand that on to us. And that's just a brief little crumb of a foretaste of everything that's in front of us. And to try to stand up and talk about how glorious the resurrection is and how awesome heaven is, it's a hard thing to do because our language fails in comparison. God had to become one of us to show us the beginnings of all of this. I'll just give you a couple of recommendations. Some of my favorite sort of like works of literature that help to kind of give a glimpse of the eternal. I love C.S. Lewis, as many of you know. Read The Great Divorce, where it's kind of like, it's, it's such a great book that's kind of on the doorstep of heaven. And I love this description where the gentleman is looking at what is, you know, the starting of heaven. And he said it made the universe feel like an indoor affair. I love that. I just finished reading The Chronicles of Narnia again. Again, C.S. Lewis, I'm kind of a one-trick pony. But I just finished it. The seventh book is called The Last Battle. He has so many great images in that of moving on towards heaven. He keeps using the phrase further up and further in. That the glory of Jesus Christ is there. That he offers it to us. That it's to be taken and moved into. Thing is, we've got to follow him. We've got to strive to have that relationship with him. And when we do that, everything else falls into line. And how beautiful it is with the conclusion of the gospel today in the first reading. We can begin to do that, to take up our cross and follow him, even in small ways. To give a cup of cold water to a fellow Christian. To, you know, serve someone. To love them like the prominent woman did for Alicia. It's incredible. All we have to do is love as he loved. To make our own self-sacrifices. To deny ourselves and take up our cross. We begin to experience the resurrection. How beautiful it is and how even today... In the midst of the Eucharistic prayer, at the end of the consecration, once again, Jesus uses the word what? Do this in memory of me. He wants us to be in relationship with him. And I'll tell you what, it's worth it. Is it tough sometimes? Do we have to deny ourselves? Yes, we do. But at the end of the day, there is nothing that's worth choosing over him. That ultimately, he wants us to be in this relationship with him. He uses relational language by saying the word me. My brothers and sisters in Christ, stay close to him every day. Make sure that you do make the sacrifices that he asks you to make. Why? Because it will pay off. We've got to cling to him. We've got to look to him to know that fact that, folks, he doesn't just ask us to bear a cross. He bore it first, and he will help you. Stay close to him. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow our Lord all the way to the resurrection. Praise be Jesus Christ now and forever.